Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media, change, and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the phrase, becoming known. The good people at Macmillan offer these synonyms for becoming known, come out, get around, emerge, spread, circulate, and my favorite, percolate. I can't wait to talk about this. So I'm delighted to welcome Candace Hickman to the show. Candace is a personal branding coach who helps the spirit-led entrepreneur brand herself, start shining, and finally become known. Candace, big, warm-hearted welcome to you. We have a lot to talk about. We do indeed, and thank you. I love that percolate and all those words related to becoming known. Me too. So well, let's just dive in. What does becoming known mean to you? Mm. There's two parts to becoming known for me. There is the aspect to which we become known to ourselves and we get to know ourselves on a deeper level before we can become known to others. And so, you know, I, you know, came up with this concept of becoming known a while ago because I started to realize that people were coming to me as a coach and the underlying feeling that they were having was this desire to use their voice and for people to recognize them for their work and to make an impact in the world, like all those really like ethereal uh, concepts. And, um, but I recognized that the people that were truly making the impact that they wanted to make in the world and in their work, they really had a deep understanding of who they were. And it's really hard to start putting yourself out there to start sharing your story or making any type of impact in the world if you don't even know what you stand for, what your story is, and what it is that you actually want to be known for. I can't even just tell you how much I love this. I'm so excited. And I I have to kind of like calm myself down before I just like jump at you. So thank you for actually just bringing that up because that was one of my first notes that, and for anyone listening, you know, Candace and I have known each other for a few years. And that concept is one of the first things that just attracted me to you is you're the first person to synthesize that in a way, just to say, in order to become known, one must first become known to oneself. What are some of the first steps that you recommend to others, but also you and I have both gone through this process mm-hmm. and for yourself that, you know, what it means to become known to yourself and that it actually is an ongoing process. It is an ongoing process. I think the first step is always becoming a master of questioning, you know, and I think that that's, um, you know, that's the industry you're in. And I think probably so many people that are listening to this, um, to this podcast is we have to become a master of asking questions of ourselves and being deeply curious about ourselves. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the times people embark upon this journey to become known um, or to themselves, to others, and they don't know where to start and they don't have that starting point. And for me, it's really just, it's about deep curiosity. Like you have to be deeply curious about your life. I'm somebody that wants to know the why of the why of the why. Every time I think that I've like hit the bottom, there's like a little bit more to uncover. But that that all begins with, Um, asking better questions of yourself so that you can continue to move forward. Can you give me an example of what a better question would be? What would a better question be? Um, I think it always starts with, with why I think it's, you know, you know, why am I, why am I interested in this? 
Why do I behave in this way? Why are these feelings actually showing up for me in response to, um, you know, me sharing my story or in response to my own identity, which is, you know, something that I've been exploring over the last couple of years, the last year in particular. And for a lot of people, Barbara, I just want to bring this up because um, I share this little story with you. I actually have this coaching program. And I realized at the beginning of the coaching program, it's like a group coaching program called the Captivating Coach. And I had this realization that I would show up for coaching calls as the coach and people would arrive and they wouldn't know, we had these weekly Q and A's and they wouldn't even know what questions to actually ask me. And so I developed like three pages of questions. Like these are the questions that you can ask. Um, you know, that to start spurring your own thinking, to develop your own questionings. But I realized the first question that you really need to ask at the point that you feel stuck or you don't know, you know, where to go or what's the next right move is I feel stuck. What do I need to know or what questions do I need to be asking of myself in order to go deeper? I love that. One of the things I have to presume is that you bump up against fear a lot because that you know is um cousin best friend whatever of stuck so how do we what are some of your recommendations when when fear takes over because even when you're in stuck and you're asking questions we often can't see what's right in front of us mm-hmm. i think it always starts with the acknowledgement of fear doesn't it um, I, I think that we can't we can't change or move through anything until we've actually brought awareness to the fact that it's a reality for us. So I think the first step of moving through any types of fear is just the acknowledgement that it and that it exists. You know, it's something that it, it's spoken about a lot in in our industry, as you know, in, in the coaching world, is the idea of account accountability and and like that mentorship, having the space and and people to actually hold you. Um, I, you know, in moments of fear and to be able to guide you, you know, finding that and finding a guide. Um, I think it's about recognizing that there's no greater investment than the one that we make into ourselves. And I'm not just mm. talking financially, but I'm talking time-wise and the spaciousness that we give ourselves to actually explore and to, to understand fear. Um, and so I think that there's, there's so many ways that we can, we can begin to, to move through fear, um, but it all begins with the actual acknowledgement of it and the seeking to understand how we can move through it. You know, a word that has come up for me a lot that relates to that is resistance. And sometimes that might be an easier frame for some people who, if it's too hard to be like, I'm afraid then to ask yourself, well, then what am I resistant to? What is that? What is what am I feeling? But the other thing I want to acknowledge too is you and I, sisters in arms here, we can intellectualize through anything because you, the asking of why is the thinking through the issue. Yeah. And one of the things that you've actually helped me with was, was starting to look at, it's like, well, what's the emotional component here? What am I feeling? And then learning to connect that actually to physical sensations, meaning, you know, it's just another approach. If you're feeling stuck, it's like, wow, do I hold tension around this? Is that, is that maybe a cue I should be listening to so that I'm not always relying on my intellectual curiosity to propel me forward where we get to a certain point. But with that, actually moving on, I want to ask you, because this gets into, you know, our own conversations over the last few years, but a really, really big word here that relates obviously to becoming known is identity. 
and um, certainly a big part of your journey. So um, I would love for you, if you're comfortable, to like dive in a little bit more about how that has come up for you. Well, yeah, that's um, identity has been it was probably the word of 2020 without me even actually um, intending it to be at the beginning of that year. Um, I, so I'm biracial. My dad is black, he's African-American and my mum is white. Um, she was in a, born um, Australian. So I was born and raised in Australia. And, you know, racial identity and biracial identity is something that I began exploring in about March of last year, right before the events of, um, you know, the, the, the murder of George Floyd. And, um, and so I had been diving into it because there was this aspect of me that always has felt like, well, where do I belong? This feeling of like belonging and, you know, when I'm, when I'm speaking and I'm being public with my work, well, who is really resonating with what I'm saying and, as I was exploring these, you know, this, these dynamics around racial identity, I started to reflect and think back through my childhood and all of the ways in which I have, um, I guess, um, I don't know if oppressed is like too, too um, if it's too heavy a word for it, but the, the ways in which I, I think I've been silenced or um, the ways in which I have never fully lived in the fullest expression of who I am without even actually consciously recognizing that this aspect of some of identity was something that encroached on my ability to be able to do that. And it was one of those things that I thought, um, you know, I, I I'm talking about becoming known, you know, I say to people that they, in order to become known to others, they have to become known to themselves. And then this huge aspect of identity, I don't necessarily feel like I've fully explored. And look, let me tell you, I'm still exploring it. And, you know, it's still coming around for me and I'm still kind of exploring my feelings. But I will say after a big portion of um, exploration and reading and conversations with different, you know, all different types of people around this issue of uh, this aspect of my identity, um, I truly came to feel even more solidified in who I am as a person um, just nothing necessarily shifted other than my perception and I think that that's really you know something that's really important um, and even to note when you just in reference to the conversation around fear just bringing that back is that you said well stuck might be fear and it might be resistance but it can, it can be so many things. It can represent as procrastination or perfectionism or like there's so many areas in which, um, you know, like that actually plays out. But when you feel like solid in your core and in the sense of who you are, um, it, it just, it just, you have something to return to when you start to lose your way. What's the new story that you tell yourself? Around the belonging? And, and identity and just what you said of having that feeling in your core. That I am a whole integrated person with a unique story and perspective and that belonging in many ways is something that I have to find and reconcile within myself. And I know that, that um, it might sound a little bit out there for people that maybe don't have this experience of, of um 
of what I'm from a from the aspect of being biracial, but you might have been able to experience that in feeling like you're in a situation where you're like a fish out of water and realizing that there's nobody out because there's been I've been accepted into many different spaces, right? And so from an outsider's perspective, they might hear that and be like, oh, Candace, you've always fit in. Oh, Candace, you've always, like it's hard as an outsider to look in and understand. But when you're sitting within a body with, with cultures and racial identities that are literally in opposition to each other a lot of the time, um, and that those two identities actually kind of exist inside of you, is this capacity to be able to reconcile and come to terms with the fact that you aren't half and half, right? You aren't two halves of like you are whole. Um, and and for me, it's it's been a journey of recognizing that there is no one way that there are multiple expressions of being black. There are multiple expressions of being biracial, um, and that I am my own unique expression of it. I'm the only. Uh, black, white, biracial, Australian, that I actually, African-American, that I actually know. I'm sure there are plenty of other people out there. If you're listening and you are, hit me up. But I don't know any other Australians that, that uh, you know, Australian, African-American, but like, I don't know anyone like me. And I have, and for a long time, I embraced that. The more I got to know, the more I, start, I started to struggle with it, but almost coming full circle with the recognition that I can have all these, these, these aspects of who I am, that they come together to make a really unique, special story. And I, and I believe, you know, allow me to express myself in a way that um, is unique to me. Well, you know, going back to how deep this is in terms of a mindset shift and our own, you know, perspective, which is invariably the only thing that we really can control in some situations, but often one of the hardest things to do is then now how this has shown up in your work and your purpose, because, you know, as a happy bystander watching, you know, the last 12 or 18 months that you've had is inspiring and extraordinary. And one of the reasons why I was so, you know, eager and just sort of urgent, like I've got to talk to Candace about this. In terms of the the work, you know, that this has actually been, uh, and you've actually got me really like at the perfect time because this has been a conversation for me, like how do I integrate these aspects of identity into the, the work that I do? And I, I had, um, I just, I had this little story. I'm going to tell you the story that triggered this, but I was asked to sit on a panel for uh, Black History Month um, in February. I had this moment where I, I literally had this, oh, like, should I do it? Okay, like, because one of the things that a lot of black biracial people tell you is this fear around being black enough, right? And that and that that can that's true for a lot, particularly I think if you've grown up with, you know, predominantly within within a white community raised by like my my mother's white, and I grew up in a white community for the most part. And so I said, you know what? I am black, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna <laughs> sit on this panel. But literally my worst fear came to life on this panel. I was, um, I was speaking and a gentleman was in the audience, the Zoom audience, and he was a black man. And he said, I just wanna know, do biracial people feel comfortable? This came up, I, I'm not even sure how the topic of my being biracial came up, but he said, um, I wanna know, do biracial people 
feel comfortable taking funding for black programs. And then he said, full-time Nubians want to know. And uh, I'm going to say that I went into like a little bit of a little bit of defense because you know if you understand kind of like the history and I know you do you know you kind of understand the history of um you know uh the biracial and like the you know colorism and also just always all the way back to the Hemings of Monticello you know you know you understand um kind of the history there but I was kind of kind of taken a little bit off guard at the same time I think I might have manifested it because it was a situation that I feared um, and, you know, but, but I walked away from that experience and I was kind of really bothered. And I realized that, uh, the reason why I was bothered and what I hadn't come to recognize, and someone said it to me later is Candace, uh, wow, you're being silenced from both sides. And she, she, she said it and, and she didn't realize how big of an impact that I think that statement would actually have on me because I started creating these videos around biracial identity because I was exploring them and I was sharing them as I was going on, on kind of my channels. And I started to be really fearful. I think that I was going to disappoint people mm. by speaking around about my biracial identity that I was going to upset people or that I wasn't, I even said to someone, I'm not an expert on mixed race identity. Like I'm like, uh, who's, who's an expert if not, you know, like if not someone with a lived experience. Um, but I, but I, I genuinely felt like this. I mean, she said, you know, you're being kind of silenced from both sides. I, I realized that that is, I fear so much being biracial is such a controversial, like just my being in a many, in many situations is such a controversial reality for some people. And, you know, people have a lot to say about it. And it, the, the way that it kind of ties back, I think, you know, that it ties back into my work is that it's the whole concept of, of becoming known. It's like, it, it, still, it still comes full circle. Like, yeah, I'm bringing in aspects of my story, but I've come to see how important that culture and you know, ethnic identity and racial identity actually play into our experience of becoming known. You know, it's such a crucial part to understand. And when, and, and even if you choose not to like go out and publicly be speaking about these issues around race or identity, and if you don't explore it, it will always be this thing that looms and hangs, especially as a person of colour, that looms and hangs over who you are. Um, I will say, Barbara, that um, in, in response to my work, I had this one moment where I went, is this off brand? Like, I don't know if this is on brand anymore, me speaking about race. And um, <laughs> I realised one of the reasons why I have been holding back is a lack of courage. And... Um, you know, I actually have decided I'm going to, I'm actually going to launch a new blog called Courageously Candace because I realized that the lack of courage that I've had when it comes to talking about topics of race, of, of culture, of, of confidence, of courage, of resilience, of even my story have not come through as strongly as I would have liked. But I am my own client, right? I am my own client in the sense that I'm recognizing the areas in which you, you said to me, Barbara, you said, and then I'm going to stop to let you interject, but you were the one, you don't understand, or maybe you do, the impact that I think that you have had on my life. Um, and especially with one question that you asked me, and this is why I'm so passionate about questions. Um, the one question that you asked me, you said, Candace, so you're in personal branding and you teach other people how to become known, but what do you want to be known for? What's your personal brand? 
and I remember just thinking like, well, I'm the, per I'm the person that it teaches people how to have personal brands. And I remember you saying to me, but you know, like, but you should be in the spotlight as well, you know? And I sat, I've been sitting with that for a really long time. I write about it. I actually wrote about it. I've been writing a book. I wrote about that. You're in my book because I've been thinking about that question so much and um, realizing the ways in which I've been, I have, I have even been fearful of sharing my story of using my voice because I couldn't figure out where I fit. Um, and so I'm actually really excited about this Courageously Candice blog, just, for, just, just as an opportunity for me to use my voice and speak about things outside of business and outside of branding that are still relevant to the work that I do, but that, that um, is really just all about me sharing this aspect of identity. Wow, I, am, I can't tell you how excited I am about Courageously Candice and how, again, this all does circle back. For, I mean, for my perch, I, I think anything is on brand in becoming known, if you're becoming known. That's easy for me to say, because I'm sitting over here. It's not my story. And yet I do want to share that, um, you know, right back at you, you just, without even thinking, this is your gift, you just tossed off to me. And I was like, I'm having a hard time connecting the dots and explaining it, what it is that I do. And you just, without even thinking, was like, well, you help people of impact make an impact. And I was like, oh, I do. And then like, what does that mean? But I'm going to give this back to you because you're a person of impact, right? And so... And I bring that up because after identity, impact is the other word on my fancy blue card I have here for my show. Um, and exploring what does that mean to be a person of impact and to make an impact? And just like a sidebar for a second, because, you know, I've talked about this before. We all have, we can all be people of impact. That's not a highfalutin lofty concept. That's a mindset, right? That's, that's, I'm a leader. And I also understand how I show up in the world and the impact I have on others. So that goes back to you is just understanding the impact you have by sharing your gifts and that, and then, um, and that's a big part of the working through resistance, right. Is to get into that place where through fear, whatever it is to realize, wow, I'm really good at this. And I should be, I should be sharing all of these gifts. Um, and it is a messy process and it has its, you know, starts and stops and it's good days and hard days. I, I can't thank you enough because that's at the end of the day, what it's all about. So one of your, what's the tagline you know, in your business is helping spirit-led entrepreneurs. So I'd love to circle back to that, you know, to sort of step into their light, shine, let, let go of whatever's holding her back. So uh, can we speak to that for a sec? When I started thinking about, um, you know, what does every, most of the people that come to me, what what is the kind of deeper desire? And it's like one of those core survival needs that Donald Miller speaks about in building a story brand around like recognition and status. And I had this realization that people come to me because even if they're kind of ashamed to admit it, they want to become known, right? They, they know that they have a story and they have a gift that, that it's worthy of, um, of recognition and of compensation. They believe in their capacity to share a perspective or a tool or something that positively impacts the lives of the people around them. But I didn't want to just work with any old entrepreneur, like entrepreneur or, or any business owner. I genuinely, I love helping the people, and this comes to spirit-led, I love helping the people that want to change the world. I love helping the people that are like, I want to, you know, <laughs> you can relate. It's like, you know, I, I just, you know, when people say, 
you know, there's this big thing in the, in the coaching industry. Oh, make 5k a month, make 10k a month. Like that's a, that's a fantastic thing to aspire towards. Um, but for me, it's not just, I have a deeper, the money's important, right? But there is a deeper call, I feel, um, to, to do something that truly touches other people. I read, have you ever read The Poetry of Living? Um, it was a book written by Maya Angelou. It wasn't no, we're adding by, this to the list. Yeah, it wasn't written by her, it was written about her. And it's not a, it's not a novel. Basically, it's a book and it's a series of quotes and um, pictures and um, just stories about Maya Angelou written by people that knew her. And I remember getting this book and reading this book and reading the things that people had to say about her. And I felt it through my entire body. I thought, man, I hope that I live my life in such a way that others say the same or something similar. I just thought, what a, what a powerful, um, I don't know, it's a mem tribute, a powerful tribute to somebody who genuinely lived a life that was worth remembering. And I just, you know, I'm 33, but I'm like, I'm already, I'm like well into thinking about like legacy, what I leave behind, building the future. And I love people that are on that same wavelength. And I love uplifting and helping other people who have this vision for themselves to support them to get there. Um, and so that's why I say spirit-led entrepreneurs and, and, and because I also and shine their light and become known. The reason why I, I use those phrases and find their voice and fulfill their purpose is because so many of people that are led by spirit and that are um, want to do good in the world also fear the spotlight because they say to themselves, but I'm not arrogant. And I don't want to be arrogant and I don't want to promote myself and I don't want to share my story and I don't want, I'm not doing this for the, and they don't recognize that by you stepping out, stepping into the spotlight, using your voice for, for good, you have the capacity to make a greater impact, to serve more powerfully, to serve at a, at a, at a bigger level and, and to really um, be the change maker that you, that you want to be. Um, and so that's why I speak to this concept of becoming known. That's why I'm so passionate about the spirit-led entrepreneur. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping them to overcome the shame or the fear that comes with thinking that arrogance is associated with being known. That brings me to another word then that we're going to add to this. Well, there are a couple of words, but one is value. Is mm. we start to understand the value of our story. Because sometimes I find that that's a, a good entry point or gateway because you and I share many clients who have this that same issue right is is that the the becoming known is outside their values they feel like it's it, it out of alignment with their personal values and then how do we move that into alignment and part of it is to understand your story has value yeah every everything is you know you brought up a comment earlier about perspectives and everything is perspectives for me and um, you know I went through a really challenging situation recently and I was like there's a way that I could see this as the person that is on this side of it but I wonder what it would feel like if I wasn't standing on this side of it if I was actually standing on that side of it 
And so I took myself, I left my body here and my mind went over to that side and I like watched, looked at it from the, that side. And then I wonder if I wasn't on this side and if I was seeing it from this person's perspective, because there was about four people involved in it. Um, but I felt like I was the one that got gymmed, you know, initially that was the feeling. Um, and I kind of walked my way around the circle of this situation so that I could like take in the other perspectives of what they could. And it wasn't like I, I didn't have a conversation with these people. I genuinely just thought, what would I feel like if I was that person in that situation? What might I be thinking? And those shifting perspectives allowed me to actually come to peace with the situation in which I don't think a lot of people would have found peace. You know, I think that um, when it, on the topic of becoming known and seeing the value in our stories, it's really easy when you're sitting in the place where you, you're like, you're here and it's your story and you're worried about like, well, what are they going to think if I launch a new website with my name? Or what are they going to think if like I start trying to pitch myself? Who are they going to think I am? But then if you take yourself out of you, like, right, you leave your body where it is and you walk around the side of the circle and you look at it from the person that's reading the blog post or the person that's watching the video or the, then you start to see that your work is of value and you actually start to see how it actually is really um, kind of a bit arrogant for you not to share right? It's kind of a bit arrogant for you to be like, well, I'm not going to put this out because, because when, at the point that you're doing that, the work has become about you, isn't it? And, the, and in actuality, the work is not about us. Um, and that's, you know, one of the most important things I think that I've learned is that the work is never about me. And, you know, on the topic of, you know, just coming back to biracial identity, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, which is kind of the re another reason why I created um, Courageously Candice, I was looking at my stats, right? I was looking at my YouTube channel, which I haven't really spent a lot of time, you know, on like last year I was doing some things, but I was just looking at it. And I was noticing that like, I get about 30 odd news. I'm not like, look, I'm not like some mega YouTube star. There's like a couple of hundred people on my um, channel, but I'm getting like about 30 new subscribers a, a month and I'm not really doing anything to promote it. And I started looking at the videos that were actually attracting people. And every time I get a notification, like, what's it about? It's the, it's the mixed race identity videos. I kid you not. Like I put out, I've spent years like developing my craft when it comes to personal branding and learning the, about the coaching industry and like all these, these things that I think um, that people want to hear from me. Then I put out a couple of biracial identity videos that were created in the context of, uh, it was my own exploration and own curiosity. And so I was just sharing them and then finding a way to make them relevant to my work. But I was just, it was, it was curiosity and it was exploration and it was public. Every time I get a comment, it's on one of those videos. Every new subscriber comes from, for one of those videos, you know, I'll, I'll have, put all this effort into a video on business and I get 70 views and then I create a mixed race identity video and it's got you know 3,000 views and they were released at the same time you know and I know that those aren't big numbers but it's like seeing the disparity between the, 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 the difference in people's interests and and I and I say this to say that you know we can sometimes within our own um, limited perspectives not recognize that there are people that need our work. And I didn't realize when I started just how much people needed those mixed race videos. And just to, to see the comments and people saying things like, oh man, I just knew 
you know, I've, I never, there's not a lot of information out there about this, or it's so great to see somebody knows me or sees me or, you know, wow. And, and conversations and comments from other people that have experienced and are experiencing this similar confusion of identity and this identity crisis that comes from that. And me, me recognizing that um, the work isn't about me, you know, and, and sometimes we have to go where our story leads us and go where people, where, where people are asking us to go. Okay, now we've added a new word, faith, to have the faith, right? That we don't, right? Just, I mean, to trust in oneself. You're getting a lot of signs that there's tremendous value. So now it's just have the faith in moving forward. That's very powerful. For a lot of people who may be listening or moving forward, how, just to translate for everything we've talked about into sharing it with others, so one, direct people to just go to CandaceHickman.com or Google Becoming Known or go to your YouTube channel. But for you, what are some of the first steps? Because it's been really powerful. And, and I've seen the shift in the last year and the really, really deep impact and how it shows also just even in the emails that you send, just the confidence in your voice and the engagement and how excited I am every time I see something in my inbox. So for anyone who's listening, it's like, okay, wow, I'm feeling, you know, emotionally connected to this. This has awakened something. You know, what are the steps that you recommend someone to take? I always encourage people to really just start thinking about like, what is it that I actually want to become known for? To recognize that you might not always know um, right out of the gates what that actually looks like, but um, to have some type of sense and to take courageous action <laughs> um, towards doing that and to start speaking and publishing you know, I think it's in, you know, in my own process of discovery of becoming known to myself, I've been very public about it, um, which not everybody has to, you don't have to do that. But I think that, you know, I, I as I was learning and discovering, I acknowledged and I have always acknowledged that I don't know everything about everything. And so I approach my publishing with a spirit of curiosity. And so maybe that's what you want to start doing, start just publishing your content and, you know, you know, having a spirit of curiosity, um, putting yourself out there. If you need space, we spoke earlier about like having, you know, that accountability and that space and the mentorship, um, you know, there, there is different ways that, you know, I personally work with people, particularly if you're in the coaching industry and, um, you know, or you want to be a coach, whether it's a life coach or a wellness coach or a spirituality coach or whatever it might be. If you're a you know, a host who wants to learn how to, you know, really connect to the heart of their story. Um, you can go to my website and, you know, there's, there's information there. You can contact me directly. There's information about um, a masterclass that I've just put out. And I also, Barbara, I just want to give a little plug. I'm going to be, I'm going to be launching the Courageously Candice blog um, in the next couple of weeks. So if you're listening to this, um, you might want to go over to courageouslycandice.com, particularly if you're interested in topics around what it takes to actually um, come to terms with your identity, um, you know, culture and the use of your own voice. I want to um, also just touch on your masterful use of media mm -hmm. to promote change and personal growth. I don't even know if you want to talk to that for a second, but just how the power of that, because I think sometimes when we say publish or anything that that can be overwhelming and intimidating. So maybe one thing is just little, the baby step is to think about what can I say that's emotionally honest, just simply in a Facebook post or an Instagram, that it doesn't have to be a grand sweeping gesture. You don't have to publish an article yet. You don't have to 
do something, but just start with the little, the little step. You could even just engage in conversation, right? Like social media, I think people forget that it's it's social. <laughs> like it was, it was designed to be social, and um, you know, there's so much content, um, you know, circulating around the internet and conversations happening everywhere. And sometimes it's just a matter of making yourself being seen in conversations that are already existing, um, and being willing to like be a part of the dialogue you know, and, and it, it doesn't always mean that you have to be the publisher of the content. You could just be the person that engages with it, you know, as a starting point. Um, but I will say that, um, you know, if you, if you feel like you are ready to kind of, there, there is, figure out what your strengths are when it comes to the publishing of media, whether it, you know, if it's a video, if it's, you know, front facing, if it's audio, like a podcast, if it's, you know, writing is your strength and really just lean into um, and, and, and just start putting yourself out there. I think that's the thing. We pre press play, hit record, you know, just hit publish. Nothing has to be perfect. And, and, I, and I also just want to speak to the fact that, like, I've evolved so much from where I entered this publishing journey. Like this, this publishing journey, and I say from the sense of like publicly putting myself and my stories and what I cared about out into the world. Like when you and I first met, uh, Barbara, I was still on the whole, like visually aesthetic wise, it was all about, because I was an image, image consultant and personal branding. And it was all about, it was very bright colors, very Bravo TV, you said. Um, and because that's kind of like where I, that's where, where I started, you know, um, in this, in this world um, of publishing my perspective was I thought I was going to be the next genie Mai. Um, but, you know, just being open to the fact that this is an evolution and that as you speak, as you share, as you engage, you will become more known to yourself in the act of becoming known to others. Wow. I just want to acknowledge something powerful you said in there was that for some people, the first step to becoming known is showing up. Yes. Right. Because you said it's just come out of the shadows, stop hiding. And so that can be participating in conversations, even if you're not ready to leave them. So that's tremendously powerful advice. And then finally, so will you share all the different places we can come find you? Yes. Uh, so CandiceHickman.com um, is my website. Um, you know, you can find me on Instagram, Candace Hickman. If you're a coach and interested in kind of that type of support around building a coaching business, it's Captivating Coach. And uh, yeah, pretty much just Candace Hickman everywhere. I love the idea of Candace Hickman everywhere. I am so grateful for you. Talk about someone who is living their brand as you live your truth. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And for everyone else listening, don't forget to hit subscribe and come back for future episodes of Camera Ready and Able.